Scripture reading taken from Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And in the same region that there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be all for all the people. But unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swathing clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was an angel, a multitude, and the heavenly host singing praise to God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made them known to us. And when they went and haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, and when they, was, when they saw it, and they had made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard and it wondered and what the shepherds had told, but the Mary treasured up all, up all these things and pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, George, for reading the scripture. We will see the threefold announcement from the passage which was read to us. The first one is, a savior is born. A savior is born. It's a good news of great joy. A savior is born, isn't it? A savior is born. Um, the, the angel announced this to the shepherds. We see that in the portion read to us, particularly the verse 11, Luke 2, 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. For unto you is born. Not only for the shepherds, the Savior is born for us also, for all of us. The Savior the Lord Jesus is God's indescribable gift for you and me. God's indescribable gift. As we heard about that 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Jesus, the Savior from our past sins and also from the punishment of our sins. 
is a savior. From all the past sins we have committed and all the punishment we deserved for those sins. He's a savior. What a great savior. We don't need to get punishment when we trust in this savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure most of us who are here are watching through Zoom. You have trusted in the Lord Jesus. You have received him as your own savior. But if there is one person here not sure about this, about your salvation or forgiveness of sins, you need to think about that seriously this Christmas season because the Savior was born to save us from our sins. That is the main purpose. So if you are not sure about your salvation, your sins are forgiven, then you need to think about seriously and you need to trust in the Savior. Now it is possible we can come to church regularly, be active so much, yet not be saved. John Wesley, the founder of Methodist churches, in his early age, he went to England, uh, sorry, from England, to, he went to Georgia in USA as a missionary to work among the native Indians. He went there. That was way back. 1735 to 1738. In 1738, he returned home to England, and then he says like this, I went to America to convert the native Indians, but who shall convert me? I'm not converted. I'm not saved. I was a missionary to the native Indians. If there is one person here, if you're not sure about your salvation, it is possible. You can be very active in many activities of the church, yet not saved. But Jesus wants to save you. Jesus is a savior. That's the reason he came. The good news is he wants to save you. He wants to give you the assurance of salvation. After John Wesley returned home, he met with one Mr. Peter Bogler, a Moravian, and who helped him to study Romans. As John Wesley was studying the book of Romans, and finally he was saved. And John Wesley says like this, I finally trusted in Christ alone for my salvation. And an assurance was given me that God has taken away my sins, and I am saved from sin and death. Are your sins forgiven? Do you have this assurance of salvation? You know, we are not guessing or hoping that I will go to heaven, my sins are forgiven. But we can be sure because Romans 8, 16 says, the spirit of God himself testifies with our spirit within us that we are God's children. This testimony of the Holy Spirit God is not for everybody. Everyone does not have. Those who are trusted in Jesus as their savior only can have this assurance of salvation. Do you have the assurance of salvation? Your sins are forgiven. That you are a child of God. You are saved. The Savior has come into your life. That's a joyful, that's a, you know, good news. If not, if any one of you do not have, it's an important thing, most important thing, that you find Jesus as your Savior, trust in him that he died for your sins and rose again. 
Now, Jesus is Savior, not only from our past sins, which we have committed before we believed in him, and he is the Savior from the present sin or temptation or the power of sin we face. We all believers, we face different temptations. Sometimes we feel, oh, I'm not able to overcome this temptation. I'm struggling. I'm believer. Jesus is my, in my life, but I'm not able to overcome. We all have different kinds of sins, temptations. We fall or we fail. We confess. And then again we confess. Again we ask God, but again we fail. Like jealousy, lust, pride, hatred, criticizing or judging others, which are very common. Lack of love for God's people, love for money, covetousness, not willing to forgive the one who did wrong to us, anger, you know, um, like passing on the news about others to other people, irritation, self-righteousness, the list goes on. Different believers are tempted by different sins. Someone may not have a temptation in a particular sin which you may have. What you have, that, what that person may not have. We all have our weaknesses, weak areas in our life. So, we should not say or think, okay, it's all a small weakness in my life, or maybe it's a hereditary. My father was an angry man, that's why I get angry, I, I, I'm, I'm becoming angry. So it's all right. We should never justify any sin in the believer's life, whatever it may be. Or we should not blame, put the blame on somebody else, on the father or somebody else. We should not think that it's a small weakness. Take a big container full of water. On the bottom, there is very tiny, tiny, tiny hole. So we say, it's all right, just a small hole, tiny hole, doesn't matter. Rest of the container is fine. If we, if we think like that, what would happen? After a few days, all the water would have leaked. Same way, if we, if we ignore sin in our lives, in the believers' lives, God's power will leak from us, and we will be ineffective for the Lord. We will be ineffective for the Lord. We will go through, we can go through all the activities, but we cannot be useful for the Lord. God cannot use us if there is sin in our life, even a small sin. So we need to take it seriously. It was in June 1980, we were in Tamil Nadu and I came to Delhi and then I went to Gauhati in Assam. I stayed there overnight in a restroom that belonged to British, I'm sorry, Baptist Church Council. I did not have victory in my life. Outwardly, I'm all right, I'm fine. I was not committing any sin, but inwardly in my heart, I was not victorious. I was staying that night in that restaurant, and I was discouraged. Because next day morning, I had to go to Imphal and then to Swachanpur in Manipur to teach in the Child Evangelism Fellowship Training uh, Program. I had to teach the subject, the victorious Christian life. But I didn't have victory. Outwardly, I was already fine, but inwardly, I was struggling. I was discreet. 
and that night I slept there. Morning I got up because I had to go uh, to go on to Imphal. When I got up, you know, amazingly, the Lord was so gracious to me. He started to speak to me. And God spoke to me. He said, salvation is by grace, not by struggling. You cannot get salvation. It's a free gift. As we heard, indescribable gift from God, Jesus, salvation. And same way, victory over sin and temptation is by God's grace, not by your struggling. It's from God. After saving us from our past sin, God does not leave us. You struggle and get victory in your own strength. No, he is the one who gives us victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our, through our Lord Jesus Christ. God gives us the victory. When that came that morning, I was so refreshed. I was so happy. I went to Sarchanpur in Manipur, I could teach victorious Christian life. Jesus is the savior, not only the past sins and the present sins, and savior from the power of sin. We need not to have any excuses or our circumstances because of that, but there is possibility. Because Jesus is savior, not just from the past sins, Today, what sin you are facing? I face temptation today. After 40 years, still. But today also, Jesus can give victory. But that does not mean automatically. We need to keep on walking with the Lord. That's what the word of God says. Walk in the spirit. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You have to walk in the spirit. You have to yield to God, not to sin. Not automatically the victory. Because there is a fight always. If you are a believer alive in the Lord, there will be always a fight. You have to overcome by God's power. But there is victory, the Savior, from the past sins and also from the present sin. That was the first thing the angel announced to the shepherds. A Savior is born today in the town of David. That's a good news of great joy for you. And then, the second announcement to the angels, uh, to the shepherds from the angel is, the one who is born is Christ the Lord. We see that in same verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus is Lord at his birth. And he is not only Savior, he is the Lord at his birth. If you have received Jesus as your Savior, he wants to be the Lord of your lives. He wants to be the Lord of your lives, my life, all of our lives. I accepted Jesus as my Savior when I was about 19 years old. After one year, I went to the Bible Institute, that is South India Bible Institute, uh, in Bangarapet, near Bangalore. I had known only Jesus as my savior that time when I went there. In my first year, I started to hear first time about sanctification. So it was all new for me. So what they were preaching or teaching about sanctification was, 
you have to have a fresh cleansing for the present sins. Past sins are forgiven, present sins. And then you have to yield your life to the Lord. You have to yield your life to the Lord and ask God's spirit to fill you. That's what they were talking. It was all new for me. I was about 21 years old. And as I was listening this, one evening chapel service, Sunday evening chapel service, one of the teachers, he preached about the same thing, sanctification. And then he gave an invitation, altar call, those who would like to yield your lives to the Lord, you can come and kneel down in the friend. God's spirit spoke to me. I went and knelt down. There were other students as well. When I was, when I knelt down, when I was yielding my life to the Lord, suddenly a thought flashed that was, if I yield my life to Jesus, then he would be the Lord. I put it in a plain way, clear way. That means he will be in control of, of my life, not myself. So the thought flashed to me was, if he may wants to become a beggar, am I willing? I could not think that anything else because I was not rich. Ordinary family, from ordinary family. I could think lower than that is only a beggar. So that was real because I was very young, very sincere. And I thought, that thought came, if Jesus makes, wants to become a beggar, am I willing? No, there were been God's people who became slaves voluntarily in order to bring slaves to Christ. But at that time, I, I didn't think those all these things. But this was came. But, but I had to yield my life willingly to the Lord Jesus. I had to yield my life willingly. That was way back in 1964. But that does not mean that one day experience holds for or ever. Every is continually we need to yield our lives. I need to yield my life continually. Jesus should be the Lord of our lives continuously. In every believer's heart, there is a throne. Now, this is figuratively, not literally. But in a way, it's real also. There is a th throne in every believer's heart. There are two people who want to sit on the throne, but only one person can sit at a time on that throne. One person is the self. The self wants to be on the throne of our lives. Isn't it? Most of the time, we want to plan our life. We want to do what we want. We want to do, be in control of our lives. But the other person is the Lord Jesus. He wants to be on the throne. But you know the beautiful thing? Jesus will never force. Never force and sit on the throne. Not like those dict many dictators. By force, they take over the country. Jesus will never do unless you and I are willing, we accept. Lord, I accept you, my Lord, the Lord of my life. I give my life to you. You plan my life. And I give my life willingly. When the self is sitting on the throne, Jesus is sitting down. He's inside our heart. Maybe in a corner he's sitting. But when Jesus is sitting on the throne, the self is sitting down. Where is Jesus sitting on your heart? Is he on the throne of your heart or sitting down? You know you are a savior, you accepted him as your savior, he's there. 
Is he on the throne of your heart? Is he the Lord of your life? Have you yielded everything to him? Is he in control of your life or you are in control of your life? Can you say, Lord, you are really my Lord. I want you be my Lord. Because I know you are the good person. I don't know my life. I can plan for my life, but I don't know what would happen next year. But you know everything. So I give my life to you. Be the Lord of my life. There was a young woman. She had accepted Jesus. And she was thinking the same thing. Making Jesus the Lord of her life. She was willing, happily yielded everything to Jesus. But there was one thing she couldn't yield to Jesus. She was struggling. She wanted Jesus to be the Lord of life, but one thing she couldn't yield. She wanted to control that. After struggling for several days, she went to a pastor or a man of God and explained her struggle. After listening what she said, the pastor took a piece of paper and wrote on that, Jesus, Lord of all, or not at all. He can be the Lord of all in your life, or he cannot be at all. He cannot be partially Lord. And he gave the paper to that young woman and gave a pen and told, you strike one of these. If you strike out Lord of all, that means he is not at all your Lord. If you strike out not at all, he is Lord of all. He left her. And she struggled. After some time, the pastor came and looked there with great struggle, with tears. She has struck down, not at all. She accepted Jesus, the Lord of all. Have you accepted Jesus, the Lord of your life? Is he on the throne? Or the self is on the throne? Jesus, at his birth, the Lord, he is Christ the Lord. Not just a savior. He is the Lord. He wants to take care of your life, control, lead, guide. But you have to make him the Lord of your life. He's the good Lord. He's the best Lord. And there's no none, none else like him. We can trust him. We can commit our life to him. Just like a small child, trusting the father, trusting the mother, you can trust. And he's so good, so faithful. So loving, so kind, so tender. Have you yielded your life to the Lord? Is he the Lord of your life? The angel told the shepherds, A savior is born, he is Christ the Lord. The third announcement is, This good news is for all the people. This good news is for all the people. We see in verse 10, Luke chapter 2. And the angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Not only for the shepherds, not only for Mary and Joseph, it is for all the people. Now, how will all the people hear this good news? How will all the people hear this good news? Because this good news is for all the people. But how will they hear the good news? Before Jesus was born, 
angel Gabriel, he told this good news to Mary, we see in Luke chapter 1. And an angel of the Lord told the good news to Joseph in his dream. In Matthew chapter 1, we see that one. Now here, we see in Luke chapter 2, an angel told the good news to the shepherds. After that time, it has become the privilege and responsibility of us human beings to tell the good news to others. Not the angel's responsibility. It is your responsibility and my respons responsibility. It is your privilege and my privilege. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This privilege is given to you and to me. This is very clear in God's word. If you look at Acts chapter 10, 3 to 5, Acts chapter 10, 3 to 5, we see about Cornelius. He was a Gentile, Roman. This Cornelius saw in a vision an angel of God came to him and told him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. So what you do now, send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. You bring him. From the place where Cornelius lived, Caesarea, to Joppa is 61, about 61 kilometers. So send someone to bring Peter. So both ways is 120, more than 120 kilometers. So someone had to go, in fact, Cornelius sent, you know the, what happened send people, I think three people, and they went and brought. Before this man reached Joppa, God had to prepare Peter, because Peter, as a Jew, they were sharing the gospel, good news among the Jews, people only. Now, to go to the Gentiles, God had to prepare Peter. God gave a vision in the noontime. I'm sure most of us, we know that. And God prepared Peter. The angel who could speak the language of Cornelius could have easily shared the gospel. Why not? Why should take all the trouble, send some more, send people to Joppa 60, 60 kilometers and come back 60 kilometers, bring someone? And why God should take a trouble of giving a vision to Peter to prepare him? Because it is the privilege and responsibility of us human being to share the good news. So Peter went and he shared the good news to Cornelius and all the people assembled in his house. Human beings, you and I have to share the good news. The shepherds, when they heard this, what they did, we read Luke 2, 17, 18, when the shepherds, they saw the baby Nighttime, the night itself. What did they do after that? They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They started to proclaim about the Savior, the birth of the Savior. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. All who heard, not only Mary and Joseph, even that night, other people heard from the shepherd, the good news. When they heard, they all wondered what the shepherd told them. 
the shepherds could have just gone and seen the baby and returned. But they did not do. They proclaimed the good news. They proclaimed the good news because it was told to them, this good news is not only for you. It is for all the people, not just only for the people in STC. It is for all the people, the people in, your, in our neighborhood. It is your responsibility, my responsibility. Yesterday we went to a cobbler, for, she had some work and we went there and she did the work and I gave a card, John 3.16 and he said, uh, I asked him before that, he said he couldn't, he can't read. I said, is there us, is there anyone in the home can read? He said, no, the children, they are gone. Then I explained a little bit briefly the gospel to him. He's in our neighborhood, walking distance. The people in your conduct, the people in your office, the people in your neighborhood, it is your privilege to share the good news, share the gospel. How will all the people here hear the gospel unless you and I share the gospel, the good news? We have to share the gospel to the people around us whom we, who are in our contact. We need to pray for that. Sharing the gospel is not at all easy. It is very difficult. Talking about the weather, talking about the coronavirus, talking about the politics, all very easy, natural. But talking about the gospel, it is not easy unless you pray. Ask God's power. That's why God, Jesus said the power, the Holy Spirit's power will come and you shall be witnesses unto me. Even a talkative person cannot talk about the gospel unless he or she has the power of God. It is not natural. It is most difficult thing. Even though it is a good news, only good news. But you and I have to pray, God help me. When we pray, God helps. Definitely helps. Because it is his will. Because the good news is for all the people. God wants you and me to share the good news. Especially the Christmas season is the best time. People are open to hear the good news, the gospel. Shall we pray and ask God, Lord, help me to share the gospel, the good news. Somebody share the good news to me. That's why I'm saved. Otherwise, I would go lost eternally. Lord, help me to share the good news to someone. Will you commit your life to the Lord? Will you pray? Lord, I take it seriously because you have said this good news is for all the people, not just for some, for some few Christians or from Christian families, but for all the people. Lord, use me like the shepherds. I may share the gospel. I may make use of the opportunities. I may not be ashamed. Will you ask God to help you? And God will help you. Because it is his will. He has told the good news is for all the people. It has been told by you and me only. Will you pray sincerely? Asking God to help you to share, starting with at least one person. God will help you. Help all the believers to share the good news. If you would like to make the commitment sincerely to the Lord, you can stand in your place. Because this is an important thing. If we don't make the commitment seriously, we may not be able to 
share the gospel. You can, if you made a commitment, pray to the Lord. You can stand in your place so that we can pray for one another. If you make the commitment that you would share this good news to someone, you can stand in your place. We should not be ashamed of the gospel. We should not be ashamed of Jesus. When if you are ashamed, he will be ashamed about us. You can stand in your place. We'll pray together. If you will sincerely, Lord, I want to share the good news like the shepherds. I commit my life. Help me, Lord. You can stand in your place. We will pray together. Pray for one another that God may use us. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for us to share the gospel, the good news, which is for all, like the shepherds. Oh Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, God, anoint us, help us, enable us. This may be our first priority, to share the gospel to people who are in darkness, who are lost. Oh Lord, help us, we pray, Holy Spirit, God, help us, enable us, Lord, use us. Use each one. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the sweet communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with us as we carry forward message of Christmas, not only in December, but years to come. Amen. Thank you.